And that's some pretty intense music. It just kind of cuts off there, right, right all of a sudden at the end. Um, I was actually first service. I saw that for the first time. I'm like, man, it's hard to come up after that. Seems like I need to come up like, it's like Gladiator or something, and I'm not him. But uh, hey, I'm excited um, about our new series called Dumb Things That Smart People Believe. This is right up my alley, and so uh, the next few weeks should be fun. Um, And what we're going to be looking at, we're going to be looking at just some common things, all right, some common things that, you know, within our culture, within our society that we believe that uh, actually aren't uh, aren't reality and aren't um, true. Uh, We've all had this. Okay, we've all been there. We've all, we all, to a certain extent, we all understand. Because, um, you know, because we've all believed stuff that turns out wasn't true, especially when you're a kid, right? Remember growing up, some of you guys, it's like, you know, it's harder to remember than others. Uh, but growing up, this happens all the time. I remember for me, um, one of many, I'm sure, one of the things that I believed was my dad. And I'm blaming this one on my dad, okay? So this is his fault, not mine. Um, but one thing he always used to say, and maybe some of you guys say, I don't know, is uh, whenever we're getting ready to run out of gas, he would say, man, we're running on fumes. You guys heard that before? Okay, good. Tell me it wasn't only my dad um, that said that. But uh, he, so he used to say that. And so as a kid growing up, I always thought, all right, you, you run out of gas, you're still good because you got fumes in there, right? And the fumes can get you as far, you know, it could get you to the gas station so you could still be, you could still be good. And so I thought that you know, not, I I didn't just find that out that that wasn't true, like last year or anything. When I was a kid, I remember finding out and being like, what? You've always said it this way. But, uh, but it's stuff like that. There are things in our life that we believe and we base our beliefs off of that aren't true. And this morning, what I want to do is I want to tackle a subject, um, on forgiveness. And we're going to look at really the phrase that forgiving is forgetting. How many of you guys have heard that before? Forgetting is forgiving. I mean, we hear that all the time. You need to forgive and forget. All right, if you would just forgive and forget, you know, this would all be over. You wouldn't have to worry about this. And so in order to do this, what we're going to do is we're going to dive into what the Bible says. And even more specifically than that, we're going to dive into what Jesus has to say about forgiving. We're going to take that, we're going to unpack that, and we're going to try to apply that to our life. So are you guys with me? You guys good to go? All right, okay. All right, Um, appreciate that. It all starts this way. One day, Jesus, he's out with his disciples, he's doing his thing. And uh, I think it's safe to assume that one of the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him a question. It's a very important question. And the question is really would have been on the premise of, hey, Jesus, what do I do when someone wrongs me? It's a good question, right? Like if you had some time to talk with Jesus, you've been an hour, I mean, that would be, for me, that might be one of the questions uh, that I would ask him. Hey, you know, people are always doing this to me. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, what's the right thing for me to do? And because uh, every single one of us, we're all in the same boat. People wrong us, right? People do things to us that we don't appreciate. We all get offended. People get on our nerves. People tick us off. I just uh, last week, I was driving into Tiffin for work and we're on a two-lane road, and there was like a backhoe on the side of the road doing, I don't even know what it was doing, just digging stuff up, I don't know, and, uh, and some city workers, and there's a guy standing there with a stop sign. You guys could picture this. We've all been in a scenario like this, standing there with a stop sign, and so I don't, you know, my lane is free. Their lane has kind of got like half of a backhoe in it, you know, for the other side, and so I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but I stopped because that's what I'm supposed to do. The sign tells me to do that. So I stop. Well, when I do that, the guy starts waving his arms. He's yelling stuff. And it's like that moment when you realize that you did something socially wrong, but you have no idea what you did. 
We've had that, right? Where it's just like, what did I do? What could have been so terrible that, uh, that you're screaming at me like this? And so I rolled out my window, and I'm like, you know, is he talking to me or what? What's going on here? And he's like, can you back up a little? And in that instant, I am angry, right? I'm just like, excuse me. Sorry, I couldn't read your mind. I didn't know that I was supposed to park back there. And, and so I do it because of that dumb grace sticker on the back of my car. You know, I'm like, I have to smile and say, oh, I'm sorry. Back it up. So I back up. But, and I roll up my window, and I am mad because I'm like, this guy's acting like I'm an idiot. And what do, you, what do I start doing? I start arguing within my head. It's like, it's like I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, man, you know, every other situation, the problem is, you know, this guy should be on this side of the road where the stop signs normally are. And not only that, but he should be farther back if he wants me to park back there because you're supposed to park basically in front of the stop sign. And that's exactly what I did. I'm like, but he didn't want to walk over there. You know, and I'm just like thinking all this stuff, and I'm mad. It's so easy, something so stupid, right? It's so easy to become annoyed at people or to, or to be angry at others. And that's just the fact of life, right? People annoy us. People bother us. It's so easy to get angry at others. People do things to us and we get offended that, that we don't appreciate. And so that's why I believe the disciples are asking this question or one of them or whoever asked the question. And Jesus, he actually goes into... Um, kind of a scenario. He's like, okay, it's, it's a little complicated what, what Jesus goes through. And he's like, all right, this is what you got to do. When someone wrongs you, when someone does something that they shouldn't and they offend you or whatever it might be, he's like, you got to go through some steps here. And he's like, the first thing you need to do is you need to confront that person. Now think about that for a second. We don't do that, right? We talk about them to others, okay? We, uh, we think about it, but most of the time, let's say 95% of the time, we don't ever confront that person when they do something to us. Okay, and usually we blame it on them because we're like, well, if I confronted them, they'd be saying, you know, then they'll be offended at me and all this stuff. We, we reason this in our mind. But Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter. All right, first you need to confront them. Okay, usually we don't get past step one. All right, and if that doesn't work, he's saying, then you need to go get somebody else and both of you need to go confront that person. And if that doesn't work, this person still doesn't see what they did wrong and if it's, you know, you know, really messed up or whatever, he's like, then you need kind of a last-ditch effort thing. You need to go to your, your community, which would be, for us, it would be the church. Um, you need to go to the community and you need to tell the community exactly what happened. And then you need to, the community needs to go, the, the um, body, local body of believers needs to go, and they need to confront that person. And if that doesn't work, Jesus, he, you know, he gets pretty intense. He's like, then they should just be kicked out of the community. The community should kick them out, right? Not to say, hey, you know, oh, you're not part of us anymore. You know, good luck. Have a nice life. It's so they will understand that what they did was wrong and so that uh, hopefully they will come back. So that, these are the steps that, that Jesus explains to them. And when Peter hears this, he's, he's standing there. He asks a question I think we'd all like to know. And his question is, hey, Next slide. He says, when is enough enough? Okay, Jesus, I see what you're saying. I hear, I hear you saying, okay, we need to forgive, and this is, these are the stats, and it's complicated. And, and, but when is enough enough? Like, how many times does it take? And by the way, when Peter's asking this question, what I believe, Peter probably has someone in mind, Right? 
because this is where I would be if I were asking Jesus this question. He probably has, you know, that one person in the back of his mind that he's thinking of a scenario. He's like, okay, Jesus wants me to do all this stuff. All right, that's a little tough, but, but this person, he's just going to keep doing it and doing it and doing it and doing it. And he's like, you know, he's got that person in the back of his mind who keeps on doing the same thing over and over and over again that drives Peter nuts. And so he asks, now how many of you have that in your life? Like, just, just think about it. Right? You, don't need, you don't need to raise your hands on that one. And then look at the person who you're thinking about. You don't have to do that. But how many people, just think about this, how many people in your life do this to you? They're constantly, it's just, it's just they, they wrong you over and over and over again. And in your mind, it's like, man, they've used up all their chances. Like, they don't have any more chances. I'm out of chances. I can't give out any more chances. They've used it all up. Or maybe it's not like quantity for you. Maybe it's, in a sense, quality, where it's like you feel that they did something so bad that they don't deserve to be forgiven. Something so bad to you in your past that they don't deserve to be forgiven. Like, think about it. Who is that right now? Or who was that? Who are you angry at? Like, like just for two minutes, like, forget the lies, forget the stage, all right? Forget that you're in a room full of people. If me and you were to come, you know, go out to lunch together or whatever, have a one-on-one conversation, and it's just me and you, and we're just sit down and just talk. If I were to ask, like, who's getting on your nerves today? Who's bothering you today? Who's lo- who are you losing your patience with today? Who are you angry with? Who's doing that thing to you again that you just can't take? Who's gotten on your last nerve today? See, I think a lot of us, maybe we don't even realize it, but we are asking the same question that Peter is asking here. When is enough enough? See, as a Christian, I feel like we all understand that. We all know, yeah, I know, I should forgive, and, you know, that's the right thing, you know, to do. But, uh, but you know, maybe we'd ask you, first of all, am I, I know we should do that, but am I required to forgive? And if so, how many times should I forgive? And that's what Peter's asking here. This is what he says in uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. It says, then Peter approached him, and he asked, hey, hey Lord, How many times, how many times must I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? He's like, seven times. I mean, that's a good Bible number. Like, you know, wouldn't wouldn't that be enough? So the thing that we don't understand is in that culture... Um, the Jewish rabbis, one thing that the you know, religious community did is they taught the Jewish people that, hey, you need to forgive people really up to, up to three times. And so, you know, if someone wrongs you and, and you need to forgive them. And if they come and they wrong you again, you need to forgive them of that. And if they come and they wrong you a third time, hey, you still need to forgive them. I know it's been three times, but you still need to forgive them. But they, if they come and they wrong you a fourth time, see, the religious community, they said, nah, you're off the hook. They used up all their chances. They're good. Three strikes in a sense, and, and you're out. And so, and so that's what they taught. And so everybody who's standing, all the disciples who are standing around Jesus, they all know this. And so when Jesus says, or when Peter says seven times, I mean, it's an impressive number. I remember um, I, when I was in college, one of the summers I spent in Chicago. And uh, in Chicago, I worked for a church. And one thing that I had to do at the church is every weekday, every 
so basically every workday, from six to nine, I had to go out on the streets and I had to do surveys, okay? You, have you guys been to a big city where it's like there's people either handing stuff out or, you know, asking, hey, could you take this survey? And what do you do? You just walk by and you ignore them like you can't hear them. You know what I'm talking about? Where it's like you're deaf, like, huh, huh, I don't see. You look over them, you look around, but you don't look at him, all right? I was that guy, okay? I hated it. Yeah, I, I absolutely hated it. And so our, my, my boss had given us the us that we did this, he said, he gave us a goal. He's like, hey, each of you, you really need to do 50 of these surveys. And so you're going to do this all summer. It's extremely difficult to get people to do that, especially when it's a 10 minute long, awkward, boring survey that doesn't mean anything to anybody. And so that's what I was doing. I kind of had a bad attitude about it. I still have one now, so it's not good. But, uh, but so I decided in my mind, I was like, hey, come up with this plan. I am going to just knock these 50 surveys out. And then for the rest of the summer, I'm going to take six to nine off right? That's a good idea. And so I did that. I spent like a couple weeks and I didn't stop at 50. I actually did 102 surveys. Um, and, uh, and I actually went over, I, I more than doubled it on purpose. Like I did the two extra ones just on purpose, just so I could say I, I more than doubled. And so I started taking my time off. Well, the boss eventually heard of it or found out. And so he called me in and he's like, you know, how many have you done? And I remember pointing at another girl who's a fellow uh, worker of mine. And, and I was like, she's only done six. You told me 50. I've done 102. And I remember saying that and just being like, look at me. Look how good I am. I'm more than double what he said. Look at me. That, it, by the way, it didn't work at all. I had to go back out and keep doing it. I just didn't try nearly as hard after that. But, uh, but that is exactly what Peter's doing here. Peter's, he knows the number. He's like, it's three. The answer's three. All right, that's what Jesus is supposed to say. The answer's three, but I'm not gonna, I'm gonna double it. Let's say six. But then he's like, but I'll throw an extra one just in there just so I can say I over, I more than doubled it. And so Peter, that's what he's, he's doing. And it's, it's a very impressive number. It's extremely moral in this Jewish society. See, our society is the same way. That's the same thing. Our society tells us, hey, if they do something so bad, you don't have to forgive them. They did something to you in your past that is so, so terrible, like just evil. You don't have to forgive them. Or if they do something and they keep doing the same thing or whatever, they, this same person keeps doing stuff to you, and, and it's just time after time after time, it's over and over and over and over again, uh, our society would say, would say, hey, you don't have to forgive them. Actually, our society would argue, hey, it is unhealthy for you to forgive them. It's unhealthy for you to give them a second chance. That's what we are taught in our culture. Similar to what the, Jew, similar to what, uh, the Jewish people were taught back in Jesus' time. But check out Jesus' response. He says, I tell you, Peter, not as many as seven, Jesus replied. And he's going, three. The answer is three, right? He says, but 70 times seven. Now, some of you guys, you're doing the math in your head right now. And you're like, 70 times 7, okay, how many times is that? Because I know some people that are probably pretty close to that, you know, but that's not what Jesus is saying, All right? Jesus, he, he, he might as well have said 77 trillion times. This is his point. He's saying it's not how many. There is no number. We're supposed to forgive the same person a limitless amount of time. See, one of our issues with forgiveness 
is we believe that whenever we forgive somebody, it's almost like as if we're doing them a favor, right? Like, okay, you did this to me, and so I'm going to do you a favor, and I'm going to extend forgiveness to you. Because whenever they, you know, insult us or hurt us or, you know, we get offended in any way, it's always the sense. It always is. It's always the sense of they owe me. They owe me because of what they've done to me. There's a debt in the relationship. That's why we say things like, hey, you owe me an apology, or you owe that person an apology. See, victims, and we've all been victims here, always come away feeling like we are owed something. It's just how it is. My boss owes me recognition. All right, my wife owes me respect. My husband owes it to me to be more sensitive, loving, caring, whatever, you know, whatever the long list might be, right? Our friend, my friend owes me loyalty. And because of that, we only feel justified when they come and in a sense say, let me pay you back. Now, they don't say those exact words, but they do say, they, we only feel justified when they pay us back in the sense of, hey, I, I understand what I did or I acknowledge the wrong that I've done to you. When they apologize to us, then we feel like it's, it's justified. But usually that doesn't happen. That doesn't always happen. And most times that doesn't happen. And when that doesn't happen, what we tend to do is we tend to hold on to the offense and we start building our case. You guys ever have imaginary conversations with yourself? Like arguing? Like kind of like I was doing in the car with that construction worker um, that's, uh, we do that all the time. Have you noticed that when you have an imaginary conversation with yourself and you're arguing that you always look good? Like you're always the good guy. You know, that's just how, that's just how it always is. Um, you know, we think to ourselves, we're like, hey, if, if we could have that perfect conversation, right, if, if it was set up just right, man, I'd really get them. Or, man, I'd have the perfect response. If they were to say this, I'd have the perfect response to that. Or, or I'd tell them who's right. Or I'll tell them why they're the ones who are wrong. I, w- I would have the perfect scenario. If it would just set up this way. That's how we think. And so we build our case. We spend time building our case. In our minds, we think about our case. I mean, all of us, we, we all do this to a certain extent. We all have our you know, own little tactics or whatever, however we do it. But we think to ourselves, we, don't, we think to ourselves, I don't owe them forgiveness. They owe me. I don't owe them anything. I'm the victim here. Right? They owe me. This is where Peter's at. This is where Peter's at. This is what, this is what he's asking. Right? He's asking a clear question. He's looking for a clear answer. And Jesus, the clear answer is, hey, actually, Peter, it's, it's limitless. And then right after he says, yeah, uh, it's, you know, it's uh, 77 trillion times how many times you need to forgive the same person. After that, basically, Jesus, he goes into a strange story, which is so Jesus, what he did. And maybe Peter's like, oh, here we go again. I'm not 100% sure. But he goes into this story, and he's teaching him. He says, for this reason, here's the story. The kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle accounts, one who owed 10,000 talents, okay? 10,000 talents, you got to understand, is a huge amount of money, all right? It is, it's, it's massive. It would be like $10 billion in today's society for one, you know, for one person. So it's like, hey, this average guy owes this master, owes this king, you know, $10 billion, something that we'll never be able to pay back. So, so he owes him 10,000 talents, and he was brought before him. 
Since he did not have the money to pay it back, of course he didn't. It says his master commanded that he, his wife, his children, everything that he had be sold to pay the debt. Now, basically what his master is doing is saying, hey, you know, I can't, uh, I'm not going to get my 10 billion back, but at least I could get a little bit. Like at least I'll be able to, you know, I'll sell them off. I'll be able to get, you know, I'll sell all their stuff and I'll be able to get whatever I, I, I can out of it. Back then, you could actually sell yourself into slavery. People did this when they had a debt and when they needed money, they could sell their, in a sense, sell their lives. And so that's what the master is doing here. It says, at this, when a servant hears all this stuff that's happening, that's going to happen to him, what the master is going to do, um, it says, the servant fell face down before him and he said, be patient with me and I will pay you everything. By the way, a lie. Okay, it's impossible for him to do that. It says, then the master of the servant had compassion. Probably a feeling that every single one of us in this room should probably feel more often, right? Compassion. Actually, the word compassion that Jesus uses to describe God throughout, um, throughout the gospel, throughout his life, which is interesting. This is just another time where he's saying the master of the servant had compassion and he actually released him and it forgave him of the loan. All right, so, so this was a, a, a big deal. Right, the, this master, he erases it completely. Notice what the master doesn't do. The master doesn't say, okay, okay, I'm not going to sell you. I'm not going to do all this stuff. I'm not going to make you sell everything that you own. But just, just give me what you got in your bank account. I'll just take that. Just give me what little you have, and at least I got something for it. Master doesn't do that. Master just says, and I'm sure if you were to do that, the servant would be like, deal, no problem, here you go. He doesn't do that. Master's like, I'm just going to forgive it all. I'm just going to forgive it all. And everybody who's in the crowd, I mean, the people, they're like, whoa. And the disciples are like, whoa. And Peter's like, like whoa, this is, this is big. And, and by the way, this is what forgiveness is. See, I think part of our issue is that a lot of us, we don't understand what forgiveness is. And we don't know what it is. I don't know what it feels like. What the master is, is doing here, all right, is he is absorbing the debt. See, we're under the... Uh, um, we're under the idea that forgiveness is forgetting, that those are the same things. But that's not the case. Notice the king forgives the debt, but we're going to find out, especially later on in the story, the king doesn't forget the debt. See, forgiveness doesn't mean you trust something, you know, you trust somebody that trust is reinstated instantly. It's not what forgiveness is. It doesn't mean that, that whatever happened is just you know, instantly gone or out, out, out of your mind or, or erased. See, the master here, what he's doing is he's, he is absorbing the debt, and that is what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the idea that somebody owes you, somebody wrongs you, and somebody owes you, and you take on that debt. Like, you absorb it. You take the hit. You take the blow. See, one thing we struggle with understanding is that forgiveness always costs you something. Does that make sense? Forgiveness always costs the forgiver something. That's what it is. Absorbing that debt that the other, pra- that the other person owes you. And that's, what happening, that's what's happening here. But the story goes on. 
Jesus says. That servant, he, uh, he went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, 100 denarii, that's like, a denarii was like a day's wage in that day. So let's say this is about $10,000, right? Nothing to sneeze at, you know? If you owe me $10,000, I want you to pay me back my $10,000, you know? It's, so it makes sense. But much, much smaller than $10 billion, okay? They don't even compare. And so this is what the servant does. He grabbed him. I won't do this to you if you owe me $10,000. And he started choking him. And he said, pay what you owe. At this, his fellow servant, he fell down and began begging him. All right, sound familiar? This is exactly what the first servant had done with the master. He began begging him. He's saying, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he wasn't willing. And instead, he went and he threw him into prison until he could pay what was owed. Right, well, when the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed, and they went and they reported to their master everything that had happened. And then after he had summoned him, his master said to him, master summons him back in. He says, you wicked servant. Like, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you have also had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And because he was angry, his master, he handed him over to the jailers to be tortured kind of harsh, tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. All right, so he tells this story, and my guess is that about, you know, I, I guess Peter is, is like uh, thinking that two-thirds through the story as he's listening to this, he's like, oh, this answer isn't really swinging my way. You know what I mean? Like, yikes. And maybe he even realizes, he's like, oh, I'm in this story. Okay, I get it. The master is God, and I'm the wicked servant in this story who doesn't want to forgive that person who wronged me or that person who owes me debt. I think Peter is starting to understand what Jesus is saying. And really what Jesus is saying, he's saying, hey, Peter, you have to forgive every single time or I'm coming after you. And that isn't necessarily pleasant. And then Jesus says this statement that I almost wish we could delete from the Bible because it's harsh and it's difficult and it's hard to wrap our minds around. And, uh, and we don't want to wrap our minds around it, really. And so part of me wishes he didn't say it. But to end the, the, this parable or this story, he says, so also my heavenly Father will do to you, Peter, or to us, unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. Notice that he says from your heart. Right, we could go around all day and tell people we forgive them. That doesn't do anything. Right? It doesn't necessarily mean anything. It doesn't mean that it's real. Just because you say something doesn't mean that it's actually real. See, he, Jesus doesn't say, unless every one of you forgives his brother and you tell it to him. No, Jesus says, hey, unless you forgive them from, from your heart. Like, Jesus, he's trying to get us to understand this is a heart issue. All right, it's a heart issue which is way, way, way harder to deal with than just telling someone that we forgive them, right? It's an issue within us. It's a problem within us. And Jesus, he says this, especially this last part, and then end of story. I mean, it's over, it's done. Peter, he's sorry he even brought up the subject, right? See, forgiveness is such a delicate subject. And I get it. I know, because I've talked to a lot of you, and I've heard a lot of the things that you guys have had to go through. Some, some people, you've had to go through things that, you know, I've never even come close to. 
Some of you have been so hurt. And if you were to tell your story, we'd all be mad. We'd be all, all be mad at that person who wronged you in that way. We'd all be angry because there's people out there who are selfish, who are all about themselves, who are evil and so messed up. Kind of like us. See, that's why I'm letting Jesus say it. This isn't me. This isn't Zach Pinkerton here in Tiffin, Ohio, right? This is what Jesus says, not me. And Jesus is telling us this morning, he's saying, hey, lady, man, college kid, high school kid, he's saying, you got to forgive or I'm coming after you. Oh, God, how can you say that? Like, like how, how can you say that? I'm not your enemy. Like, they're my enemy, right? They're the ones who did that to me. They're the ones who, you know, they're, they're the ones who, who did this thing to me that I just can't seem to get over. See, I think maybe Jesus is trying to get us to understand that forgiveness isn't necessarily just doing someone else a favor. Maybe he's trying to get us under, to understand that forgiveness is doing ourselves a favor, that it's actually good for us to forgive others. See, forgiving, some, forgiving someone is a choice of your will, not of emotion. See, forgiving someone is a choice of your will. It's not your emotions. And this is where we get so confused within our society because our society is constantly, you know, our society runs on emotions. We uh, judge on emotions. We make decisions on emotions. We, uh, emotions drive our thinking. It drives our beliefs of what we believe. It's all based off of emotions. And sometimes it's the emotion and the belief that forgiving and forgetting are the same thing that kind of messes us up. Like, like think about it for just a second, right? It's the idea that forgiving and forgetting that a lot of times I believe actually acts as a barrier that keeps us from actually forgiving people. Because the way we reason it in, is, in our minds is we think, you know, I cannot just forget what happened. I cannot just pretend like it never happened. And so because I cannot forget, I know I cannot forgive. Because if they're the same thing, I cannot forget. I know I cannot forget. And so I cannot forgive. We're in reality, forgiving and forgetting are two different things. They're not the same. See, here we are commanded, not asked, we are commanded to forgive. We are not commanded to forget. And by the way, I think the best way for you to kind of examine yourself and to tell if you have forgiven somebody or not is to ask yourself this question, and that is, how often do you think about or bring something up that someone has done to you in the past? How often do you bring it up? Whatever it is, that thing, let's be honest, those things that people have done to us, some big, some small, how often do you think about those things or how often do you bring up those things? Does that happen a lot? How often do you do that to, to win an argument or to, or to, you know, basically to help, help you, um, you know, use it as an advantage in an argument? Well, well wait, I thought... I thought, we didn't have, I thought we didn't have to forget. Yeah, you don't have to forget. You don't have to erase it from your mind, but that doesn't mean you hold on to that thing forever. 
or for 10 years or however long it might be, all right? Because when we bring it up or when we think about it, and I think this is 100% of the time, I can't prove that, but at least it is in my life. But I think when we bring it up or when we we think about it, we always come from the standpoint of you still owe me. Or when we think about it, we always come from the standpoint of they still owe me. But if we've truly forgiven them, they don't. They don't owe you anymore. They owe you nothing. Because you've absorbed that debt. The debt's over. It's canceled. You took the hit. You took on that debt that they owed you. See, Jesus is saying, you need to forgive that person. By the way, did you catch the reason why? Did you catch why? Why? You get what Jesus is pointing out? He's saying we should be willing to forgive because of the immeasurable amount of debt that we have been forgiven of. See, that's what happens. When we are a believer and we're a Christian and we start a relationship with God, the Bible says that God forgives us everything that we've ever done wrong, like everything, all that debt, all the the junk in our life, God forgives us. And so out of all people, Christians, for sure, Christians should be able to understand forgiveness the best because we've, forgiven, we've been forgiven so much. We should find it easiest to forgive than any other people because we understand how forgiveness works. See, maybe the reason we find it so hard to forgive others in our life is we don't realize how much we personally have been forgiven of. Maybe we don't understand the enormous debt the amount of debt that we actually owed God, our master. See, forgiveness always costs the forgiver something, always. And when you choose to forgive, which is what God's telling you to do an unlimited amount of times, it's going to cost you. It's you absorbing that debt. You can't hold that debt against them any longer. It costs you just like it cost God when he forgave us. See, we as Christians, we, uh, we don't forgive because it's easy. Right? It's not easy. It's difficult. Sometimes forgiving, and, and depending on what they did or how many times they've done it, you know, it's, it, is diff- it is so hard. We don't forgive because it's easy. We forgive because we've been forgiven. And we've been forgiven of a debt that we have no chance of paying. That was impossible for us to pay. But our master forgave us when we start that relationship with him. And so for us, that should really bring us joy. Like just knowing that we're good. Right? Our debt is paid. We don't have that thing weighing on us anymore. But we should be able to forgive others who wrong us, which, let's be real, is going to happen for the rest of our life. Let's pray. God, we, um, we thank you for this teaching, and we thank you for really teaching us that it is good for us to forgive. God, more important than that, more important than anything, Lord, we thank you so much for forgiving us of our enormous debt that we can't even really begin to understand. 
because we all view ourselves as generally good people and it's not that big of a deal, but to you, God, it is a huge deal. To you, God, it is a debt that, that we just have no chance of paying, but you pay for it and that costs you something. Compared to that, everything that anybody does to us is little. And God, we ask that you would help us, because sometimes it's so difficult, but you would help us to forgive others, to forgive those people in our life who have wronged us in our past and who are wronging us now. Help us to let go. And Lord, we thank you for loving us so much. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.